Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. So Travis, <laughs> how come there aren't any jokes about Jim Jones? Why is that? The punchline's too long. My goodness, but this is not a Jonestown podcast. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 16 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Travis Spector Clouseau. Yes. A.K.A. the Spanish Travisoner. Yep. A.K.A. Planes, Travis, and Automobiles. <laughs> A.K.A. Dead Men Don't Wear Trav. A.K.A. Holy shit. A.K.A. Travis Shithead. <laughs> you went above and beyond, sir. They was just that came five? That was five. Five nicknames. <laughs> and I am joined, as always, here in the Little Shop of Horrors by my co-host and co-producer... Dirty Rotten Chondrels, a.k.a. Little Sean of Horrors, a.k.a. And the Band Played Sean. <laughs> also here in the Chop Shop, Chop Shop Regulator, Sergeant Chelco, a.k.a. Coast of Chelsea by the Dozen. Hmm? No, I don't think that worked out. A.k.a. Chele Story. <laughs> like there might have been a typo from a... <laughs> Cheaper, Chelsea by the dozen. <laughs> There's your soundbite. Damn autocorrect. <laughs> Further description of the show: the tagline says, "Watch Chop Retrofit," because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts, aka actors who are at the height of their powers. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Let's all get small. Let's get small. You said all, so you're a... You <laughs> no, we are, we are all going to. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And, and sometimes we succeed. Sometimes we succeed, even though there's an arrow through our head. And sometimes we get smoothies delivered to us. Uh, only two? Two smoothies? Well, they're, they're actually both mine, so... Oh, they're medicated smoothies. We, we have to mention right here that uh, Chelsea by the Dozen is struggling with a cold, and it's just a cold. We have scientific proof that it's not the Rona. Yes, there is a negative test to prove it. All right, so that's going to bring us into our first segment today, which is going to be movie news. And this is where throughout the week we try to pay attention to stories that pertain to our show or the world of cinema or remakes or reboots or just stories that we find interesting or that you, the chop shoppers, might find interesting as well. And so unfortunately, since it's been uh, two weeks since the last proper, uh, we've got three RIPs. Three RIPs to report this week. Rest in peace and rest in power to Una Stubbs. She was in Till Death Do Us Part and Sherlock has died at the age of 84. After several months of ill health, Stubbs died at her home in Edinburgh on August 12th, 2021 at the age of 84. And that comes to us from Wikipedia. Next, rest in peace and rest in power to Pat Hitchcock O'Connell. 
uh, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter and cast member dies at the age of 93. Wow, good ride. That's what we call a nice run. She was really good in Strangers on a Train. So she acted in three films directed by her father, Alfred Hitchcock, including Psycho. She later wrote a book about her mother's role as his cinematic partner. Uh, She died on August 9th at her home in Thousand Oaks, California. That comes to us from the New York Times. And finally, rest in peace and rest in power to Sonny Chiba. You say arigato like we say arigato. Uh, martial artist legend, martial arts legend, and Kill Bill actor dies at the age of 82 from COVID complications, you guys. That sucks. That's a bummer. If, if this pandemic weren't a thing, I bet he would have had another 20 years. Shinichi Sonichiba, the Japanese actor and martial arts legend who had roles in American films like Kill Bill and The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, died on Thursday of COVID complications. His agent and manager confirmed to Variety he was 82. And that that uh, little blurb there kind of glosses over the uh, vast, vast catalog of martial arts films and like... 70s American films that Sonny Chiba was in. Do we count this as the Cinema Chop Shop curse? Because we just talked about him like a month or two ago. I don't know. I think that all bets are off with this with this new wave. Gotcha. Right? Next, John Lithgow joins Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon for Apple. Uh, that's Apple TV. So, John Lithgow, the... Uh, actor from Perry Mason and Bombshell. Yeah, those are that's what they cited. Well known things <laughs> has joined the cast of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Lithgow will play the role of prosecutor Leeward. Lithgow joins the previously announced ensemble cast that includes Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, Jason Isbell, who's a musician, not an actor, uh, Sturgill Simpson, a musician turned actor, uh, Louis. Kenselmi, William Bellew, Tatanka Means, Michael Abbott Jr., Pat Healy, I know him, and Scott Shepard. Lithgow will play the role of prosecutor uh, Leeward, as mentioned earlier, and that comes to us from The Wrap. Any thoughts on that? No. The cast just keeps growing. Is it going to be as long as The Irishman? Uh, the cast list? Probably. No, no the, <laughs> the, the film runtime. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but it is based on real events. So, so it's yes. kind of a true, co- a true crime situation. So your answer is yes. My answer is next up, Margot Robbie <laughs> joins Wes Anderson's next film as yet to be titled. The Suicide Squad star joins Tom Hanks as a new player on the auteur's call sheet. And that comes to us from Hollywood Reporter. I'm interested to see how that works out. Next, The Survivalist trailer. John Malkovich rules the post-apocalyptic wasteland. And what did you say when I sent this to you, Sean? I was like, wait a minute, haven't we seen him as like the post-apocalyptic ruler already? And I have to admit, I did look at a list of his filmography, and the first one that even even like hinted at post-apocalypse was Bird Box. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Alright, so that comes to us from the rap as well. Oh, excuse me, that's from Slash Film, slashfilm.com. Next up, Halle Berry, hallelujah, is getting sued by an MMA fighter. Uh, 
MMA star Kat Zingano is suing Halle Berry over a snub from her movie Bruised. Uh, that's the Halle Berry movie Bruised about mixed martial arts. Um, so Kat has sued Halle Berry, alleging that she passed up on a key UFC fight in order to appear in Berry's film about MMA, only to be dropped by both the UFC and the film. So she's pissed. So she skipped out on a fight to go be in the movie, but then her scene got cut from the movie, and then she got fired from UFC for skipping the fight. But how is this Halle Berry's problem? I don't think it, unless she's like the producer and director of the yeah. movie and the casting agent. Like, yeah. I uh, think I think this nut job's gotten, gotten punched yeah. in the head a few too many times. And Maybe a CTE uh, situation. Possibly. And- if not a... Um, What's the word for a lawsuit that has no bearing? Frivolous. A frivolous lawsuit. Finally, this is the story of the week, you guys. Michael Keaton had to read the Flash script three times to understand his return as Batman. So he's getting a little up there in the uh, in the in the bat wings, and uh, <laughs> it's understandable, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's hard to believe that Michael Keaton is suiting up as Batman again for The Flash, the new movie starring Ezra Miller. The actor hasn't put on a cape and, and cowl since Batman Returns in 1992, which means 30 years will have passed by the time we see this version of The Dark Knight back on the big screen. Though the actor didn't have a hard time getting back into the mindset of Gotham's greatest detective, he had a harder time understanding the script for The Flash, mostly because his comic book knowledge is extremely lacking. So basically, that is our cue that they're doing a Flashpoint storyline. Yeah, it's uh, the the multiverse type of situation. Again, this is my this is what I hate about this movie. There, all of this has been covered on the CW show, and. I don't understand. What, what What's the point of this movie? Money. I guess. They want to get that money. All right. That's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. And do you guys hear that the new phone book is here? The new phone book's here! The new phone book's here! That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Oh, Candruda. Our home and native Landrew. Hey, Sean, good casting choice for Hollywood. Kenan Thompson can do no wrong. Travis's choice for Hollywood pronounces his name O.T. Fagbenley. Fun fact, a friend of mine's band is opening for Starship at a local show in September. That's all I've got. Props to Andrew for being such a good sport. See y'all next time. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. We do appreciate everything you do. And um, just be glad that you didn't have to correct us on Six String Samurai, the watch party we did last week. All right, guys. I don't know if you're ready, but that brings us to the theme of the episode. In a belated celebration of his 76th birthday last weekend, because I screwed up the dates, (laughs) it's Steve Martin movie. And how are we feeling going in, guys? I love Steve Martin. Okay. Steve Martin was my guy growing up. I mean, I was an SNL kid. I was more of a Bill Murray. And Steve Martin was always guesting on the show. And then, of course, he was tied very closely to the Muppets. So (laughs) my exposure to Steve Martin was pretty strong. And then, of course, 
then a string of movies in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, <clears throat> he could do no wrong in my book. Now, fast forward to today, and I see him as the great writer that he is. Mm-hmm. I see him as the great musician that mm-hmm. he is. Um, I think that his body of work is just tremendous, and I, I love Steve Martin. He's an icon. Uh, Chelsea, any thoughts you'd like to throw out there? No, I agree with everything Sean said. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Save that voice for later. All right, so um, I, like you, I uh, appreciate most of his early work the most, uh, especially the 80s comedy films that he did. Uh, I wasn't old enough to actually watch his early guest spots or hosting spots on SNL and until later in reruns. Um, and I listened to his comedy albums later as like a teenager, but movies like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh yeah. And The Jerk, which we will talk about. And uh, just planes, trains, and automobiles. There's so many standout <clears throat> movies that you can yeah. point to that are just really, yeah. really fun films. And also I think we should point out that his style of comedic delivery is a little bit different. It's a little bit more cynical, a little bit more snide. Um, he often plays the begrudged straight man. Yep. Uh, to another another comic presence foil. So, that being said, let's go ahead and get into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two movies that we've selected that are pertinent to our show this week and that we feel like would make a good pairing for a double feature. And Chelsea, do you feel like going first? Yeah, I can go first. All right. Um, so I'm pairing 2005 Shop Girl, which is yes. based on a novella he Steve Martin wrote. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, same name. I'm pairing that with 2003's Lost in Translation. Now, granted, he was not in Lost in Translation, right? But there's, gosh, there's such similar themes going on. There's a lot of connective tissue. There really is. Um, Older men with a younger woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve Martin's character in Shop Girl clearly has like commitment issues, and Claire Danes falls head over heels for this guy Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it's just two lonely people looking for some kind of connection which is so similar to what happens with bill murray and scarlet in lost in translation yeah but um steve martin he's sort of he's sort of a dick to claire danes Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you can't deny that he doesn't have some really strong feelings for her and it ends on a really shitty note, but then they kind of come back together. Right. And it, the, the ending made me feel the same way that the ending in Lost in Translation did. That's fair. Now, let me ask you this. Which one do you feel is the superior movie that um, abides by those themes? So they both have the same themes, but they're done differently. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're sort of mirror images of each other. Okay. Um, so they touch on the same themes, but it's it, it's not the same movie. Not at it's all. Not, it's not just this relationship with this older guy right. and this younger girl. The relationships are different. And they're from different directors, different perspectives. Uh, perspectives exactly. Yeah. Um, Sean, would you have a preference between those two? No, I'm not going to make a pick mm-hmm. uh, on which one I like better. 
I just saw Shop Girl this past week at mm -hmm. uh, Chelsea's recommendation, and you were saying that uh, you felt that a lot of Steve Martin's cynicism and his voice came through Claire Dane's character. Is that is that what you said? Well, I didn't realize what a sad sort of person Steve Martin is, and I didn't realize that. He, I don't. His, I don't know that he is a sad person. I think well, the characters he portrays. No. Um, he's he's had some struggles with depression and, okay. and things like that that he doesn't talk about a lot but it's there and I, I think it comes across in his writing but he rarely puts it on a male character or somebody that he would portray because I think he's trying to dissect it himself and project a little bit yeah all right cool all right Sean uh, what do you have for us for a double feature from 1986 to 1994, Steve Martin was married to Victoria Tennant. Uh, David Tennant's mom? No. <laughs> she is a British actress, and she co-starred with Steve Martin in two films. Uh, in 1984, she was in All of Me okay. with Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, I know this. And this is the story about uh, Steve Martin as a attorney-slash-aspiring musician who was assigned to the case of a ailing slash dying um, wealthy woman who was going to transpose her spirit mm -hmm. into another woman yes. as a vessel. And uh, by the way, the, uh, the uh, yogi or whatever you would call him, the shaman or what have you, was uh, Chevy Chase's editor in Fletch. Oh, no shit. Yeah. The Ascended Master? Yes. So... Something goes awry in the transition of her spirit as she passes and ends up in Steve Martin's body. And you get this great physical comedy from Steve Martin as half of his body is occupied by Lily Tomlin. Yes. Half is occupied by him. So he's playing a, a masculine feminine dichotomy. Yes. And then throughout the film, the two kind of come to terms with one another and appreciate each other for who they are. And uh, meanwhile, um, Victoria Tennant's character, who is supposed to be the recipient of Lily Tomlin's soul, as well as her fortune, never once in a million years imagined that this was actually going to happen. And so she just expected to take control of the fortune. She was right. the stable master's daughter, by the way. Okay. And uh, so throughout the film, Steve Martin's trying to reconnect with her, with the shaman guy, to mm -hmm. kind of get the soul's transition correctly. Despite the fact that he is currently at least partially occupied by the soul of Lily Tomlin. Yeah, yeah they, they, it's kind of, kind of like a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of have to work out a schedule. It's but, a pretty early body switch movie, too. Yeah, and it's uh, it still holds up. It's got a few problems by today's standards in terms of uh, some politically right. correct kind of things. But uh, directed by Carl Reiner, who we'll talk about in a yes. little bit. So Steve Martin was also in uh, a movie with Victoria Tennant in 1991 called L.A. Story. Uh -huh. Now, this is what I consider to be probably one of his best films. Uh, I really like this movie. It's okay. directed by Mick Jackson, the director of The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard. I will always love that mm -hmm. movie. So you've also got Richard E. Grant, Whitnell and I. A.K.A. Yeah. Old Loki. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who is delightfully cute in this movie. She's not at all horse-like in okay. this film. Uh, Mary Lou Henner is in it. Kevin Pollack, Patrick Stewart, Larry Miller, Iman. I mean, this guy's got some really big names in the movie. But uh, 
it's kind of it's written by Steve Martin. It's his love letter to Los Angeles. And uh, it's kind of about the quirkiness of living and surviving in early 1990s Los Angeles. Just some real funny satire about L.A. in general. So um, this movie came out right around the same time as My Blue Heaven and Leap of Faith, right? Yeah, yeah kind of in that vicinity. And so I, I have to say I conflate them a little bit. Okay. Much. Go ahead. I'll, I'll set you straight. Yes. Uh, Steve Martin is a wacky weatherman. And uh, he's kind of got some relationship issues. He meets uh, Victoria Tennant's character through an acquaintance played by uh, Richard E. Grant, and kind of, kind of, kind of takes a shine to her. He's helped by a, a talking freeway sign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember this now. The freeway signs start displaying messages strictly for him. Now and... it just would have been hackers. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, kind of love story, but it's. It, it, but more than anything else, it's satire. The uh, there's I mentioned Patrick Stewart. He's the maitre d of a trendy Los Angeles restaurant called Lidio. Yes, which is spelled Le Idiot. <laughs> Lidio. They actually go to the bank to go over his financials to see if he can afford the menu to decide what he can and cannot eat on the menu. Oh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of like you know biting satire about Los yes. Angeles life. So anyway, those are the two films. I like them both, and I think they're well worth watching. Right on, and I like how you picked a pair of movies that have a dynamic between two uh, actors. Now the the female lead say her name again victoria Tennant. victoria Tennant. is she a comedic actress um i would consider her more of a straight actress okay yeah all right well i went in a similar route i went with two movies that pair steve martin with a the same actress and the first one is a movie that i hadn't seen in a very long time and i forgot how much i laughed at this movie it's from 1992 it's called house sitter House Sitter is not necessarily considered one of his best movies critically. It's only got a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by the great Frank Oz, who he probably had that Muppet connection with, right? A rainbow connection? The rainbow (laughs) Muppet connection. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Uh, Architect Newton Davis, played by Steve Martin, is distraught when his girlfriend, Becky, played by Dana Delaney, spurns his proposal and refuses to move into the lavish house that he designed for her. Davis, who cannot imagine himself living alone in the house, shares his tale of woe with Gwen, played by Goldie Hawn, a dishonest waitress he thinks doesn't speak English. Complications arise when Davis, on the brink of reconciliation with Becky, discovers that Gwen has moved into the couple's soon-to-be dream home. Uh, so basically, Gwen is a uh, pathological liar slash con woman with a heart of gold. <laughs> and she's still very, very cute in this movie. Her eyes accentuate her um, kind of wanderlust personality. So I'm going to pair that with what is, in my opinion, a lesser film. So it was definitely a little bit of formulaic because they, they being big Hollywood, t- tried to recapture the chemistry that... Uh, Martin and Hahn had in House Sitter and they put them in a remake of a 1970 film called The Out of Towners. Uh, This 1999 remake was directed by Sam Wiseman and it only has a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. With the children out of the house, Henry, played by Steve Martin, and Nancy Clark, played by Goldie Hawn, head to New York City to embrace their cosmopolitan dreams. Henry has a 
has a, a job interview set up with an advertising firm, and Nancy hopes to add some spice to their marriage. But nothing goes according to plan for the couple as they endure lost luggage, muggers, a diffident desk clerk played by John Cleese, and a disastrous tour of the city that never sleeps and won't leave them alone. So uh, the only saving grace of this movie is John Cleese's character, the maitre d' at the hotel, whose spoiler alert is also a cross-dresser. At one point, Goldie Hawn leverages that against him in a blackmail situation and says something to the effect of, when you're in jail... So I'm not sure in 1999 what law he would have been breaking by dancing around in women's clothing, uh, but he is the funniest part of the movie. The rest of it is kind of a, um, a moot point and uh, desperate to recapture that same chemistry of the dynamic. But I will say, today I went back and watched the original 1970s version of The Out of Towners with Jack Lemmon in the Steve Martin role and it is by far a superior movie and I also came to the discovery that the remake the 1999 Steve Martin remake is pretty much shot for shot and line for line which is disappointing yeah so that's going to be my double feature guys one that's decent one not so good okay and are you guys giving recommends or no recommends on yours give recommends on mine yeah, huge recommends on mine. Huge recommends. All right, that's going to wrap us up on the double feature for this week, bringing us to our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we go around the panel and we talk about a movie that we've all watched in advance. We talk about it a little bit, and then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors. And the movie, the first one that's coming up, uh, we've kind of skirted around the issue but it is The Jerk and it's from 1979 directed by the great Carl Reiner uh, we've got an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes could be higher when Navin Johnson played by Steve Martin believes he was born a poor black child in Mississippi he is however actually white upon figuring, it, figuring this out he heads to St. Louis to find himself and his special purpose <laughs> After landing a job at a gas station, Navin is excited to discover his name is printed in the new phone book. This ratification of his existence leads him from one misadventure to another. As he invents gadgets, dodges bullets, joins the carnival, and seeks love in the arms of the beautiful Marie, played by Bernadette Peters. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> no, not necessarily in that order. That's right. And they also failed to mention Shithead the dog in this description uh thoughts on this movie sean i loved it when i was a kid because i thought it was just hilarious uh, the fact that the dog's name was shithead you know but i watched it again this past week and i was like this is a really silly movie it's just it really pure is silly so over the top yeah there's definitely some things that um would be difficult to pull off today chelsea your first time seeing it what did you think yeah, it, I don't have nostalgia for it like Sean has, uh -huh. um, and there are some things that didn't age well, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was fun. It's a fun watch. When you put it into context for the time mm -hmm. that it came out. Yeah, yeah there. I mean, let's just uh, go ahead and 
and address the elephant in the room. There is excessive use of the N-word. Yes. But it is from a perspective of a white man who was raised by a black family. It comes from a place of love. Right. Yeah, yeah he, he defends. <laughs> he says, he defends the I am an N-word. Uh, all right, so the roles that we're going to recast are Navin Johnson, played by Steve Martin, who was 34 at the time. Mary Kimball Johnson, played by Bernadette Peters, who was 31. And The Madman, played by M. Emmett Walsh. That's a hard name to say three times fast. He was only 44 at the time, looked a little bit older. Looked a lot older. (laughs) All right, so any further thoughts before we get into the recast? Let's dive right in. All right, so Chelsea, who is your pick for Steve Martin? Do you have a pick? Um, I didn't do picks because That's I would right. just cough this. my way through this. I got you. So uh, I'll go straight to you, Sean. Who is your Naven Johnson? Oh, this was tough. I mean, this is one of these yeah. iconic actors. How do you and iconic roles? Yeah, and how do you do it? So I just went with somebody who I felt was age appropriate at 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> can do comedy, can do some physical comedy, but also you mentioned that the the straight man nature and. Um, when you see this actor like in real life and do some of his other stuff, it'll make sense. Um, you would know him from, uh, well, you wouldn't know him from any of this other stuff. Uh, Try me. Story of a girl. Seen it. The odds. Of course. Firebase. Yep. Letter Kenny. Yeah. I've seen that one with Tyler Johnston. Yeah, dude, I shopped him. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's the right age. Yep. I ended up picking somebody who wasn't quite age appropriate, Okay. but he does have the comedy chops. Uh, he's 30 now. Uh, he was, he's only got a few actual credits. He was in Promising Young Woman and he directed eighth grade. His name is Bo Burnham. Okay. Okay. Bo Burnham yep. is going to be my Naven Johnson. I like that. Next up, we've got Mary Kimball Johnson. And doesn't he meet her through the carnival? Yeah, because she was babysitting the kid that was wearing the bullshit t-shirt. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and she was played by Bernadette Peters, who was 31 at the time. Uh, Chelsea, you have any thoughts on the character? When they sing that song on the beach, I still can't get it out of my head. Yes. You've got it on a loop in your brain. Yeah. It's so cute. Rent free. Rent free. (laughs) Bernadette Peters and Steve Martin. All right, Sean, who's your pick for Mary? All right. So considering that he's in St. Louis, considering he was raised as a poor black child in Mississippi... I felt it was only appropriate that he would be attracted to another black woman. So Ah. um, this actress, you would know her from Furious 7, Maze Runner, as well as Game of Thrones. She's got the hair. I went with Natalie Emmanuel. Yes. I like that actress, and I know exactly who you're talking about. That's funny. Bernadette Peters did have very... um, Dude, I love... It was almost like a... Strawberry blonde Jerry Curl. I love Bernadette <laughs> Peters. I think she is so adorable. I agree. And I really wanted to recast Arden Mirren for her just because I think she has a similar energy. Arden Mirren. All right. So this beer that we just cracked open is another one of the Voodoo Rangers, Voodoo Rangers series uh, from New Belgium. And this one's called V2K and it's their tropical. It's super tropical. Uh, and we're looking at a 6.9 ABV. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Well, my pick for Mary Kimball Johnson is 31 now. She was in Premature, Straight Up, and a TV show called The Killing. Okay. Her name is Katie Findlay. Katie Findlay. Oh, I don't think I know her. 
Yeah, she doesn't have a lot of credits, but I I get a similar vibe from her. Okay. Next up, we've got the Madman. And this, why does he want to kill Naven? Because he looked him up in the phone book. Yes. The same phone book that Naven <laughs> was so excited about. But then later he becomes the PI yeah. who delivers the, the, the notice that he needs to go visit with that guy. To get his money so the from first his time, invention. The first time we see him, he's sniping at Naven working at the gas station, yeah. right? Well, the first he, time you see me, he's going through the phone book, but then okay. yes, very shortly after. And, and he's missing, and he's hitting the gas cans, right? Yeah, he's hitting the, uh, the, the, the oil, the motor the, oil. And These cans of motor oil are defective! And, but doesn't he say, this guy sure must hate gas! <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Alright, so, um, Sean, who is going to be your madman? All right, this guy kind of has like a similar slack jaw kind of look that he does. And, he, and he's funny in the rare comedy roles that he's been in. Um, he's 46 years old. You would know him from um, Out of the Furnace, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James, uh, Gone Baby Gone, and Manchester yeah. by the Sea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with Casey Affleck. Casey. Yeah. Casey Affleck. I see your Casey Affleck, and I'm going to raise you one better and more funny. More funny. He's 44 now as well. He was in Blockers, Neighbors, and The Oath. His name is Ike Barinholtz. I like Ike. Ike Barinholtz. I like Ike. I like Ike is a button from the 1950s? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So... I just got to say, I love this movie. Uh, I love it in the same way that I love Blazing Saddles. Yeah, it's and a lot of And it's important fun. to point out that Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks are best friends. So I I think that this was a good one. Yeah. It's a good pick. Uh, Chelsea? Yeah, I really liked it. I'm nice. glad I watched it. Uh, so with that, we're going to go ahead and head into intermission but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some Novocaine. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. As I told you earlier, this podcast is and always has been the diary of a madman. <laughs> Welcome back, Chop Shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us inter- dur- during our intermission. Uh, did we lose Chelsea? Yeah, or is she Ch- still peeing in the yard? No, I think Chelsea has gone to take a siesta. She's under the weather, and we don't blame her for that. But what do we like to do when we come back from intermission, Sean? Beer check-ins. And you it, you have what appears to be a magnum of beer? It's not quite a magnum, but it is a, uh, it's a beer from Fanta Flora. Uh, we haven't had anything from them in a while. And this is their, um, oh, let's see, what is it's this? It's a wild ale. This is for their Wild Ale Society. Okay. Uh, this is from 2019. This is Cuvée number two. And, and so why does this uh, apply to our episode, Because it's a wild ale. A wild, wild and, and crazy, crazy ale. So let's uh, go ahead and pop that off. Oh, that pop was, it off. That it was, was not very gratifying. It was a disappointing. It court, was silent, but hopefully deadly. While we enjoy that, we're going to get into the 2021 movie marathon. And as of today's recording, it is the 232nd day of the year, 232nd day of the year. And I'm on 216, which means I'm 16 behind the date. However, I did watch six or seven movies this week i just have some ground to make up because of my wild and crazy summer <laughs> i'm on 266 um you are 50 movies ahead of me sir yeah and i think chelsea eclipsed the 300 mark so she is she's just gonna like hit 365 and then quit yeah so she's definitely in 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 the in the uh, the good spot okay so i'm tasting this right now oh yeah yeah i'm getting uh some muscadine yep I'm getting uh, a little bit of sour, a little bit of... Uh, so you said uh, muscadine is actually scuppernong grapes. Scuppernongs. Okay, so scuppernongs are red and muscadines are green if I don't have it reversed. But they're both wild grapes that grow throughout the Southland. Uh, oh, this is nice. Yeah, I, I'm finding it quite tasty and also mm. refreshing. <laughs> All right. So 2021 movie marathon. Uh, what's your first check-in, Sean? 
Uh, I am going to check in um, a John Huston movie. I've been watching the John yes. Huston collection on Criterion. And uh, this one's called The Night of the Iguana. And it's from 1964, and it's an adaptation of a Tennessee Williams play. And uh, it stars Richard Burton along with, oh, man, Sue Lyon, who you will know from Lolita okay. as Lolita. Okay. Yeah, Deborah yeah. Kerr. And Ava Gardner. Yep. And, of course, Deborah Kerr and Ava Gardner, Ava Gardner are a little bit uh, further along in their careers. They're probably in their 40s at this point, but still just stunning. Smoking. Stunning women. Um, so, Smoke show. So Burton is a defrocked clergyman who is giving tours in Mexico to ladies' church groups. And among the church group uh, that he's currently touring with is Sue Lyon and she's got the hots for the preacher and she's practically throwing herself at him. And as a result, the, uh, the very, uh, proper, um, church lady, this is essentially the church lady. If you can imagine, uh, the character, the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Dana, Dana Carvey's, uh, Satan. That's essentially who it is. Um, she's out, she's out to get him and, and discredit him and get him fired because he, she's convinced he's the one, who is trying to, you know, get in bed with Sue Lyon's character. Anyway, they end up at uh, Ava Gardner's hotel. Okay. She has a resort. And is it a garden inn? No, it's not. And it's actually their off season. And she's supposed to be closed. But you get the feeling that she and uh, Burton have a history together. And so she begrudgingly agrees to let them stay. Enter uh, Deborah Kerr. Her character, uh, she is a painter and artist, and she is touring Mexico with her grandfather, who is a 94-year-old poet laureate. Oh, that's awesome. And for money, he will do recitations. Um, basically, they're harmless grifters. They're just trying to oh. con people into giving them money for doing what they do. Yes. I'm raising my hand. Yes. Uh, this movie is directed by John Huston. Yes. His daughter, Angelica Houston, is in a movie called Grifters. Uh-huh. That's shit. That's all I have true. to say. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of a study in failure. Uh, Richard Burton's just failure, and despite all of his efforts, he just continues to fail. Okay. If you are familiar with Tennessee Williams' work, it kind of fits right in. It's beautiful. It's it's tough to adapt plays, and John Huston does it amazingly well. He's and a great director. He, now, let me ask you this. Is this uh, something that's featured on the Criteria Sean channel right now? Yeah, it is. It totally <laughs> okay. is. But uh, my favorite part of the film, though, is the grandfather. Uh, not surprisingly, because he's 94, um, he just has this lucid moment where he says, granddaughter, do you have something to write with? She goes, I do. He goes, put this down. And he recites the ending of a poem that he's been working on. And it's Oh, wow. And it's fucking beautiful and he's and then he dies because he's too old to write it down himself yeah, and he dies shortly that thereafter that was his swan song um, it's, it's a great his movie his Ron swan song yes watch this movie I think it's great and I think we should do a John Huston episode I think we should too let's do it on uh, his birthday alright so my first check in is going to be number 207 and it's Shiva baby Mm-hmm. did I watch this because of your recommendation? Mine and Chelsea's, yes. I liked it. Uh, so, a 20-something bisexual Jewish woman who is leading a double life accidentally runs into her sugar daddy at a family shiva in this comedy of errors. 
directed and written by Emma Seligman. And I thought it was great. I thought that the um, awkwardness played into the comedy amazingly and nothing says awkward and comedic like a Jewish family. I find squirmy, awkward situations to be one of the finest forms of comedy because it's so visceral. You can, everyone can relate to it. Then in that situation. And this one does it so well because it's just like, it just teeters on like this, this brink of, of catastrophe, the entire film. And I thought it was great. I, I agree. I liked it a lot. I think I gave it five stars, although it doesn't matter because it won't be in my 2021 best of because it's the 2020 film. Uh, what do you got next? Um, I watched the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Old? Old. All right. Can um, you can you tell me anything without spoiling? Absolutely. Uh, you know, because I'm not a huge Shyamalan fan. Okay. I, I thought Sixth Sense was good. I liked Unbreakable. I think it's probably my favorite of his movies. You're not down with The Village? No. Uh, uh. Lady in the Water? No. And so, uh, unlike some of his films, the twist doesn't define the movie. So ah, okay. that, that part, I mean, the twist is kind of neat, and the explanation of what's going on is kind of neat, but really the film is about you know, these people who are stuck on a beach together and they're inexplicably growing old at a rapid rate, trying to figure out what the fuck's going on okay. and how do we get off this beach? Okay. Um, it's a resort, uh, that these people get invited to go to. And while they're having breakfast or something, the resort people are like, Oh, there's a special place I want you to go to. It's this beach and then get on the shuttle and we'll take you there. M night Shyamalan's the driver of the shuttle. And he always does his cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, way to go. Hitch. Cock. Mm-hmm. So these total strangers, you know, they're pods of families or whatever, but they, the total strangers end up on a beach together and they just kind of realize something's amiss. Yeah. And it quickly becomes evident that they're aging rapidly because the children in the blink of an eye are like hitting prepubescent age. Yeah. And um, from there, it just becomes this mystery of trying to figure out what the fuck. Why? Yeah. I, I, it was okay. I, I thought it was okay. All right. I will watch it. Um, my next one is going to be Benny Loves You. <laughs> did this you is, watch that? Really? Yes, I did. Number 211, Benny Loves You from 2019. Uh, a childhood toy that is cast aside has returned in a murderous, sentient form. Oh. It's basically if Elmo had a knife and he murders anybody that you love more than him. Okay. And I loved it. <laughs> it was great. A little bit gory. Probably not one that you want to show to your kids. But yeah, so so it reminded me a little bit of that movie Milo. Do you remember Milo about the like butt demon? Oh, vaguely. A few years back. Um, it was similar to that in tone. Okay. All right. What's your next check-in, sir? I think we're going in together on our final check-in. Yes. The Green Knight. The Green Knight, which is not the star of the movie. No. Yeah, I always thought, well, let me let me rephrase. My mom did make me read Sir Gawain and The Green Knight when I was a kid. However, I have forgotten everything about that. And in the meantime, I just assumed that Sir Gawain was 
the Green Knight. However, that is not the case. So uh, this is the new A24. A24. This stars Dev Patel. Dev Patel in an amazing performance. Looking totally hot, yeah, by the way. I, I was just going to say, he kind of came into his face. Absolutely. Like, if you saw him on Skins, he was the awkward, nerdy Indian boy. Um, This movie was... this uh, Without even getting into the story, this movie's gorgeous. Every shot... Very stylized. Every shot could be made into a poster yeah i mean there are scenes where the where he's coming into the scene from a distance and so he's cutting a silhouette yep. framed by this foresty you know greenery with this yellow backlight i mean it's just beautiful and what did you think about barry kogan's performance which or his barry character? kogan is the kid from the killing of a sacred deer yeah who's also the uh young bandit yes I thought he was really good because from the word go, you're like, something's not yeah, I, something I, shifty. I don't, I don't want to give away anything about the yeah. story though. Um, but from the very beginning of the film, the light, the lighting was so dramatic and so quick to shift. It, yes. You felt like you were involved in an epic tale yeah. because none of this could happen in real life. You know, you don't have these lighting shifts really, you know, yeah. but they look so cool. Absolutely. Can I read my review? Hit it. Um, another outstanding release from A24. Perfect cast, amazingly stylized cinematography, and efficient pacing. I liked how they broke it into vignettes. Yeah, and I uh, love the titles. Yes. My only qualm is that there seems to be some sort of blending of different Arthurian themes. Uh, otherwise, great. Yeah. And I shouldn't probably elaborate on that because we want people to go, just go and watch it and make their own opinions, right? Yeah, it's one of those things I can't talk about it until you see it. It's, yeah. There's so much stuff about this movie that affected me on a deeply personal level, but not going to say a word until... <laughs> so far, I really like this wild and crazy ale. Well, with that, we're going to head into the second part of our feature segment, The Recast Continued. Part two. The Man with Two Brains. <laughs> uh, actually, no, it's going to be Three Amigos from 1986, directed by John Landis and written by Lorne Michaels and who else? Uh, Steve Martin and Randy Newman. <laughs> As in... You got a friend in me. Yep. That, that guy? Th that guy. All right. And we got a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you feel that's justified? I think that's a little low. We could at least go 60 on this. I would go 55 for sure. Yeah. All right. So three amigos, three cowboy movie stars from the silent era, Dusty Bottoms, played by Chevy Chase. <laughs> Lucky Day, played by Steve Martin, and Ned Niederlander, played by Martin Short, are fired when one of their movies bombs. In what seems to be a career-saving offer, a young Mexican woman, Carmen, played by Patrice Martinez, offers them a high-paying gig in her village. The three jump at the opportunity, expecting to do their typical act, but Carmen believes they are really heroes and asks them to rid her village of bad guy El Guapo, played by Alfonso Arreo. Now, do you know what El Guapo means? 
Guapo means handsome. So he's the handsome. The handsome. <laughs> yes. Um, tell me what you think about this movie. Hold on first. <laughs> Would you say that I have a plethora of pinatas? What? What does a plethora mean? <laughs> no, they agreed. He's like, yes, yes, see, si, see. Si. <laughs> what is a plethora? Uh, how do you know it's a male plane? Will you see the the two little balls underneath? <laughs> um, this this movie confused me when I was a kid because okay. I remember seeing the trailer so many times, and you did the uh, the little the crisscross yeah. salute thing. And I was expecting something a lot more slapstick. Yeah. But it didn't play out that way at all. Um, it's kind of an ironic movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's... it, it At the age I was when it came out, it went over my head. I was about yeah. seventh, eighth grade, I think. Um, but watching it again, you know, later on, it, it's, it definitely has its charm. And The idea is really good. You've got these silent film stars who are known in Mexico as heroes and they get offered a job under the pretenses that they are actual heroes. Right. And this is early enough in, in Hollywood or cinematic history where people did not make that distinction that actors are not who they portray themselves. And there's as on no film. internet. Right. So, yeah. All right. So once again, the roles that we're going to recast are dusty bottoms played by Chevy chase, who was 43. We've got lucky day played by Steve Martin, who was 41. Ned Niederlander, played by Martin Short, who was 36. And then Carmen, played by Patrice Martinez, who was 23. And Sean, who's your pick for Dusty Bottoms? All right, so all of my picks uh, of the males, I was trying to go for guys who I could see being silent film era stars. You know, handsome, good looks. Um, you know, that kind of being able to pull faces that are, you know, so dramatic because they don't have the benefit of audio dialogue. So with that in mind, um, I picked an actor who is 42 now, will be 43 uh, in November. You would know him from roles in Orange County, Untraceable, The House Bunny, and King Kong. I went with Colin Hanks. You went with Colin Hanks? Yeah, I did. For the role of Dusty Bottoms yeah. in The Three Amigos, you went with Colin Hanks. Yeah. All right. That well, means you went with him for someone else. <laughs> I did definitely go with somebody else. And I don't think that Colin Hanks could fill Chevy's boots just in a physical uh, aspect. He's a, he's a small man, and Chevy Chase is gigantor. So my actor is also a large man. He is 43 now as well. He's in Den of Thieves, 13 Hours, a Benghazi story. Um, <laughs> American Gods, his name is Pablo Schreiber. Pablo okay. Schreiber is my guy. And he's also the younger brother of Lib Schreiber. And I found out that there's five of them and they're all actors. Yeah, there are a lot of the a lot of Schreiber brothers. A lot of Schreibers. A lot of Schreibers, a lot of Schreibs. Um so you said that I thought Colin Hanks was at least um six foot. Nah, dude, he's a little dude. Really? Yeah. Alright, next know. up we've got the role of Lucky Day. Played by Steve Martin, who was 41 at the time. 
you want to continue looking that up, how tall, how tall Colin Hanks is? No. <laughs> who's your pick for Lucky Day? I went with a 40-year-old actor who's going to be 41 late this year. Um, you would know him from films such as, oh, God, these are all giveaways. Uh, Prisoners, Brokeback Mountain. Donnie Darko, Nightcrawler. I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal's a very decent pick for this, sir. He can be funny when he needs yes. to be. I went with a more straight-up comedic actor. He's also tall because Steve Martin's pretty tall. Um, he's 41 now as well. All of these will give it away. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Sex Tape, Freaks and Geeks, I went with Jason Segel. Okay. Jason Segel's going to be my Steve Martin lucky day in the Three Amigos reboot that I hope never, ever happens. And we got, next up, Ned Niederlander. And he's kind of the... um, He's the nerdier of the three. He's naive. He's a little bit naive, yes. And, of course, Martin Short always emotes that awkwardness, right? Yes. And so he was 36 at the time. And who did you pick for this? You know, Martin Short is always thought of as being short. He's actually about 5'8". That's because of all the short films he's done. Yes. Um, I went with an actor who's 5'5". Five five. I wanted to go for that really short, naive kind of quality. Uh, 36 going on 37. This actor was in Baked in Brooklyn, Max Steele, uh, The Belco Experiment, uh-huh. as well as Silicon Valley. I went with Josh Brenner. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. I love it. All right. Well, my pick for Ned is 41 now. He was in films such as Florence Foster Jenkins, Annette, and Will Never Have Paris. But most people would know him from a movie that I don't usually like to say the name, or a TV show I usually don't like to say the name of, The Big Bang Theory. His name is Simon Helberg. Yes. Simon yes. Helberg is literally Martin Short's son. No, but that's yes, a good pick, it, though. I like legitimately. it. We got one more. It's Carmen. Carmen was played by Patrice Martinez, who was 23 at the time. Who's your pick for this, sir? Um, I really wanted to go with a Mexican actress, but yeah? I could not find one that was recognizable enough. Okay. However, I did find one that I used a couple of weeks ago, so that took her off the board for me. So I went with a 23-year-old Dominican actress. Okay. And she was in um, Mayans MC, the TV series on yep. uh, FX, and uh, Party of Five, the reboot. So Mayans is the spinoff of uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yes, correct. And they, I didn't know there was a reboot of Party of Five. Yeah, I think it was like on Freeform or one of those mm. type show type networks. Anyway, uh, we both really enjoyed her performance in uh, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, I went with Emily Tosta. Emily Tosta, very good, very good. Well, I also couldn't find a Mexican actress who would fit the profile. So I went with a Venezuelan actress who is 24 now. She was in Wits Academy, Every Which Way, and Save Me. Her name is Daniela Nieves. I shopped her. Yep. Daniela Nieves. I think we both looked up young Latinx actresses. (laughs) 
All right, so I don't know that we even need to do final thoughts on Three Amigos. It is a fun movie, but it operates on a couple of levels, right? It, it is kind of a uh, slapstick uh, comedy shoot 'em up, but at the same time, this idea of silent film stars being thought of as the real thing is something i i don't know that i've seen in other yeah i thought that movies. was a nice unique twist kind I of mean, novel right because yeah because the the final act is very that's been done many times where you've got the villagers all gathering yes. together to pull off this big ruse mm-hmm. to you know to get the bad guy um but as far as the uh the twist of them getting them there on the pretenses that they were yeah. actually as heroic as they came across in film i thought that was pretty smart it's pretty good uh, with that we have a final bonus segment sir okay and i don't have visuals for this but that's okay because it's an audio medium it's going to be a battle royale between the following steve martin characters okay first we've got dr michael Hefferer from <laughs> the man with two brains okay Versus Master Sergeant Ernest G. Bilko from Sergeant Bilko versus Neil Page from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so first of all, Neil Page. He's is, fed up. He's frustrated. He's fed up, but he's also one of the most oblivious people in the world because you know full well that John Candy's wife was dead in that suitcase. She was not in the suitcase. That's a dead person in that suitcase. No. Swear to God. I disagree, sir. Oh, man. Definitely makes you think of that movie differently, though. Yes, it does. All right. Um, you have Sergeant Bilko. The man with two brains, though. Dr. Um, I'm going to go with Dr. Hufferfuff. All right. All right. Well, with that, I will go with uh, our planes, trains, and automobiles, Martin, Steve Martin. I'm going with Neil Page because despite all odds, he gets back home for Thanksgiving with his new best friend, John Candy, and whatever's in the box. What's in the box? Does that about wrap it up? We're hobbling to the finish line. Yes. Without Chelsea. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Chelsea for doing her damnedest to be here and, and contribute as much she as she She gave it her could, best shot. Despite how she's feeling. And I also want to thank you, sir, the engineer and co-producer, my co-host with the most dose. Yeah, it's good to be back in the shop. And uh, do you know what next week's episode is? We are doing the films of Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould for his 83rd birthday uh, this next Sunday. And I do have a trivia question just for fun. Even though there is no trivia this week at seminar... It's coming week at seminar. I do have a trivia question that is just for fun. Are you ready for it? Yeah, go for it. All right, here's your question. Gould was the first actor to play the character Trapper John in the film version of MASH in 1970. The second actor was Wayne Rogers in the TV series MASH from 1972. And the third was this actor... For the TV series Trapper John MD in 1979. If you can get the first or last name, I'll give you credit. I don't remember. I remember the show, but I don't remember the actor. 
Pernell Roberts. Pernell Roberts is his name. I would I would kick my parents. Yes. His last name was already Roberts, and they had to hit him with a Pernell. All right, so we do want to plug the podcast itself. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We're at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We are Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook and Gmail and on Untapped, where we will check in the beers that we drank tonight on the show. You saw I checked in our beers from last week, right? Yes. And then uh, also, if all things go technically correct, this episode will be available on YouTube uh, with a static picture, and we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on YouTube. Finally, farewell to you, the Chop Shoppers out there. Don't forget to get that Vax. Um, You might want to social distance and wear a mask anyway. And please... Remember to watch Chop Chop Retrofit. Retrofit.